Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning, Wayne. I will see you right here on Undisputed in about two hours, as always, on Friday. But right now, it is time to skip the BS. It is time for Undisputed. It is time for me and Michael Irvin and Keyshawn Johnson to talk Raheem Morris and Bill Belichick. Whoa, wait, wait a second. The Atlanta Falcons? They hired Raheem Morris over Bill Belichick after he interviewed twice with the Falcons. Good for the Falcons. Wise move. But but hold on. Now it looks like Bill Belichick will not get any job in this hiring cycle. How is that possible? Keyshawn, would you please kick us off and explain to me how all this happened? Well... I mean, I'm sure you're smiling all the way to the end <laughs> of the ocean. Um, you know, it, when, you, when you look at it, everything has to be perfectly aligned for Bill Belichick to get a job that he wants and he wants to covet. He, it, it's not, and I keep saying this, Skip, coaches that are in his position, the Harbaugh's, the Pete Carroll's, the Bill Belichick's, the guys that have done it for many years and know what they're doing, they need everything to be perfectly aligned. If, if, if Raheem Morris deserves this opportunity as a third-time head coach, once full-time head coach with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once upon a time, and then 11 games in the interim situation with the Atlanta Falcons. When the Atlanta yep. Falcons made this decision, this decision wasn't made overnight. This decision was taken process for quite some time. They just had to figure out if they actually wanted to do the Raheem Moore situation. Because Coach Belichick, according to reports, everything had to be aligned structurally. He wanted certain things in place right. that apparently Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, made a decision that they were not. So he decided, I'm, I'm assuming, to turn it down. They haven't officially said, well, he turned the job down. Mm. But based on the reports, that's what you have to believe, is that he said, you know what? Never mind, I'll look to do something different. Therefore, it opened up the door for them to hire Raheem Morris, who had been there before. Now, I'll give you a little back backstory on Raheem Morris. I've been knowing Raheem from my days at the New York Jets when he worked in our equipment office with our equipment staff way back then at Hofstra University. Fast forward to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he came in as our quality control guy and then eventually became an assistant defensive back coach and then he went on to Kansas State, became Kansas State's defensive uh, coordinator, yeah. swapped back to Tampa Bay. He, he, 
at Tampa Bay. He was the defensive coordinator for all of about a day. And then they abruptly yeah. fired Coach Gruden and made him the head coach. And then he went on to have some success as a receiver coach in Atlanta. In Washington, he, play, he coached the receivers in DB. So he has some coaching uh, pedigree to him. He falls under the Dungy and Mike Tomlin tree. Okay, so now you look at what he was able to do with the Los Angeles Rams. It's a perfect marriage for that situation. Rich McKay knows him, knows him well, okay? Arthur Blank knows him well, and he's not coming with all of the demands that these veteran coaches would come with like a Bill Belichick. The one thing that Raheem, to have the success in Atlanta, he's got to do is he got to find a quarterback. Is it trading for Justin Fields? Is it Kirk Cousins out there in free agency? Is it trying to figure out how to draft a guy? Is it all those things in the mix and signing Mike Evans in free agency potentially or T. Higgins in free agency potentially? And as far as the Belichick situation go, yeah, maybe he doesn't get a job because it's Washington and Seattle and he decides he's going to wait for somebody to open up again next year while he still has an opportunity with his age being where it's at to still have the energy and juice to want to coach. And I understand people looking at it like you, Skip, and saying, hey, well, what is this? This is the greatest coach of all time. He can't get a job? Well, it's not that simple. It's not that he can't get a job. It just has to be the right job. And, and I think it has right. to be the Go right Michael. job. I think it has to be the right job, and I thought Atlanta was the right job, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, and listen, Raheem Morris, I'm happy for him getting an opportunity to once again be a head coach. But if you're going to go defensive, and I mean in the head coach position, you're going to go defensive. You have one of the greatest defensive coaches that's ever played, that's ever been around the game. And he's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach in the game. So, so I'm a little confused by that. I hear people talk about this, the, the, the control factor. I, I, I talk about it all the time. I told you guys yesterday, coaching is about coaching, communication, and control. Those three C's right there is what's working in that office. I'm blown away. I'm blown away that, that, that you come to a conclusion that with Bill Belichick and, and, and the lack of success that most of these places have had, that, well... We want control still, and we don't want to listen to him totally because, you know, we want control. Are you joking? That's the most successful dude that ever did it on the sideline. I understand. I understand what you watched the last few years in New England and the development or lack thereof of that quarterback, uh, Mac Jones, in New England. But, but if I'm going defense of coach, love Raheem Morris. But you, you had Bill Belichick right there. I got to figure out and stop those communication issues, whatever I believe they may have been. I got to figure those out and stop them. On the other hand, to Bill Belichick, I, I just don't like the way his people have handled all of this. He's the greatest coach to ever live and, and, and coach in the National Football League. I would have liked his people to have handled this a little bit better. I, I wouldn't have been putting Bill out there going on all of those cycles, going on interviews. It's you talk to me behind the scene if we're going to make a deal, if we're going to see something through, we can see it through. So he's not out here like this, looking like this. I just think it's a bad look, and his people failed him in this situation. Really?
Okay, so they, they should have done it more behind the scenes? I, I, I think he earned, he's game. earned that. He's earned that, Skip. All right. He has earned that. Okay. And each, each, each of those teams, I, Atlanta just wanted to to the oil. We just interviewed Bill Belichick. Come on, man. Let's they hold did. that out if you knew you weren't, if it wasn't going to work out down the road. That's just me. That's just me. I mean, I understand. I, I, I understand I that, knew, that they were passing. Uh, that, that bill and the communication issue and, and, and what we have on offense and the issues they've had on offense. But I, I just thought that his people could have handled it. I, I don't know that they didn't think that they would get a deal done with Bill. I think Bill just made a decision based on his communication from what we are gathering that it wasn't going to work. So it sounds like to me, just based on that, that the job that it was, was more his. There was more bills than, than it was than more bills than it was the Atlanta Falcons. Whatever that right. is, I right. don't know. For all we know, it could have right. been. I want five years. They said no. I'm giving you three. It could have been. We don't. You. We want you to have some of these assistants so our payroll. And he's like, no, I want to bring it my you. own. We don't know what that is. I'm with you. I'm still saying the bills, people. We could have handled. I understand. This we could have handled yeah. this better. I understand. All right. So Michael, think about this. We've been going round and round about Jerry Jones. He's 81 years of age. He says, my window is closing. I don't know how many more opportunities I'm going to have in life to win a Super Bowl because I'm getting up there in years. And yet, remember, Arthur Blank is two weeks older than Jerry Jones. Right. He was born two weeks before. So he's also 81 years of age. And I, I don't hear him talk about how my window is closing. Or, or how many years he has left on this planet. But the, the point is, if, if Arthur, who's never won a Super Bowl, at least Jerry has three Super Bowl trophies in his office, if Arthur Blank really wanted to plunge for the greatest coach ever, he would have just done it. it. Whatever Bill wanted, he would just say, here, you got the keys to the kingdom. And yet he didn't, because in the end, I believe that Arthur Blank said no to Belichick because Belichick wanted complete control of the franchise. He did not want to have to answer to Rich McKay, who Keyshawn knows very well, or to Terry Fontenot, who's the GM. So you got the president and the GM who were positioned on the, the sort of the depth chart above Bill Belichick. And Arthur said, I'm going to side with them because Bill wants them both out. Not maybe gone, but just out of my way because Bill wanted the keys to the kingdom. And Arthur Blank said no, because I believe Arthur Blank believes that Bill had not earned the right to have the total keys to the kingdom over the four years he had after Tom Brady in New England. He had four years to prove he was the reason they won all those championships. He had four years to show the NFL world I, I can do this by myself. I don't need that quarterback. I can take another quarterback. And he handpicked Mac Jones. He traded up to get Mac Jones. And obviously, it was a disaster. And obviously, Bill went 29 and 38 in four years in New England after he convinced Robert Kraft Tom Brady cannot play anymore. Biggest mistake Bill ever made, can't play anymore because Tom, obviously, in the pandemic year of 2020, went straight down to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl. So Tom showed you to me that he was the reason. I, I always give him 75% of the credit over Bill. You guys believe it was mostly Bill. I respect your opinions. I just disagree. And I believe Arthur Blank decided Bill wasn't the driving force that, that I, can't, I can't give him everything. I can't give him the control that he wants of my franchise. 
and trust him to go find and and also coach up a quarterback because he didn't prove he could do it with Mac Jones. So Bill had his opportunity. And my point to you guys has been, if, if he is the greatest coach ever, why didn't the whole league, why didn't every vacancy there was, why didn't they just line up and say, please, Bill, come take our job? Obviously, he wouldn't want maybe a Carolina job, but there are a bunch of other jobs that maybe he would want. And Tennessee takes Brian Callahan. I'm like, over Bill Bet, could but you Skip, have we, Bill Bet? Let, 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 let him go, Mike. But we've talked about <laughs> it. Skip, coaching is not just coaching. When we say he's the greatest coach, I, I it, the results have spoken for him and spoken Facts. loudly and clearly. He's the greatest coach. There's a lot that comes with that, and there's a lot of dealings with a lot of people who, honestly, let me let you in on a secret: who don't know what the hell they're doing. And, and don't know a lot less than Bill. No, that knows a lot less than Bill Belichick knows, and still want to be in control and in charge. So, so I understand sometimes Bill saying we got to watch what this dude doing, watch what that dude doing. I, but, 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 but he is the greatest coach. What he accomplished in the time where free agency had come in. Some when you talk about great coaches, those coaches didn't have to shuffle in players and deal with the free agency. He did his, he had his dynasty over the start, all that plan B and free agency, all of this coming through, moving in and out of place. He's the greatest coach to ever live. It's just a lot that comes with that also when you have a head coach. And, and Skip, you can't just assume that because he is the greatest coach, even his own quarterback said that. You're talking about the last four years. Well, how about the first four years in New England with Tom Brady? A guy that he drafted and de help develop. So when you talk about the last four, how about the first four? Beside that, you can't just assume that every coach, I mean, every coach and every owner and general manager are going to align just because they're the greatest. It does not work for everybody. In basketball, everybody didn't want Phil Jackson. They just didn't want to deal with that. Okay? And I'm sure Phil Jackson didn't want to deal with other teams because it's not just... I'm good at X's and O's. Like Michael said, there's so much that go into. When you talk about control, we're not talking about, and I'm not talking about just roster control. I'm talking about control of the building. For all I, when I come in as a, a head coach, I want a new secretary. I don't want your secretary. I want the person that's been with me for 25 years that I can trust at every that's not stop. Sneaking back and that's reporting not to you. Sneaking back and, report. and reporting. Right, right. right. That, exactly. <laughs> this is the kind I'm, of espionage stuff that goes on in a building you got I, to get skip, to about. I'm taking a job, I'm firing the security guard at the door. Period. Because I want my own security. I understand he's understand. been here 35 years. I'm coming in, I want yeah. my own strength coach. I want my own nutritionist. I, those are the things that coaches have to to ask for. And then when you start talking about working with, with Terry and Rich McKay, the general manager and the president of the team, mm -hmm. I don't know their relationship with Bill. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. But maybe, just maybe, they had a different idea of how to run the team, and Bill doesn't want that. Sure Bill wants do. some say. That's he doesn't want you just right? drafting players right. and giving it. He wants to work with you, but maybe they say, we're going to take a quarterback. And Bill says, no, I don't want to take a quarterback. I'd rather go sign Kirk Cousins or I'd rather trade for Justin Fields or something along those lines. And they're like, no, that's not the way we see it. It just it has to work 
for everybody, Skip. Okay, so do you think Arthur Blank just made a huge mistake not giving everything up to Bill and saying, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Please come and save me. No, I don't think no, I don't think he made a mistake. What he, Rich McKay and Terry did was make a decision on somebody that they know, that they have a relationship with. Raheem Morris has a relationship with that building. Okay, he coached there. Yes. He coached there he as assistant head coach from 2015 to 2019 and pass game coordinator. Offensive side of the ball, by the way. 2016 to 19 yes. receivers. Defensive coordinator, 2020 and interim coach. There's a relationship Beautiful. there. Right. There's a relationship yeah. there. Okay. And Keyshawn, allow me to say, and I've said this many times before you guys join me on the show, it has been a long-running crime that Raheem Morris didn't get a shot before this shot. It's been 13 years since he was an official head coach, not just an interim, in Tampa Bay. Keyshawn, you remember this well. In his second year coaching the Bucs with Josh Freeman at quarterback, they yeah. went 10 and 6. Yes. 10 and 6. And then he had some issues. I don't want to get into the gory details with Josh off the field issues. And it crumbled the last couple of years. But he showed you what he could do when everything was the planets were aligned. And he handpicked Josh because he had coached him at Kansas State. He knew him. And it, it went way up, and then it started to teeter. But he showed you what he, he could do when everything was correct. He can coach at the highest level. I think it's a great move for Atlanta to give him a second shot. And it was beautiful because of the point you're making, Keyshawn. He had been an interim coach, so they got to work with him and know him on a daily basis and watch him operate as the commanding officer. Yes of that whole franchise. And I think they love this. And they, they said when he came in with Mr. Blank last week, I think it was last, I think it was only Tuesday that he flew in that he killed his interview. And I think you, you saw him fairly recently, right? You, yeah. I had, din I had dinner with him a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So, yeah. and you think yeah. about it too, Rich McKay was with us in Tampa. So there's a long, long right. relationship right. with that. When he got the I job in Tampa, when he, there's a comfort there. When he got the knows. job in Tampa, he wasn't ready to be a head coach. He just wasn't. He just wasn't. He was basically a player that was pushed into yeah. the role to become a head coach. He just wasn't ready for it. The second opportunity would be a little bit different. What I would say to him is, is I told him, one of the things you cannot do, you cannot be phony, okay, because the players right. are going to see through it, okay, and you better go get a quarterback. Yeah, right. You better get a quarterback. And, and, and that's right there, that, that all of this we're saying is going to be the determining factor of whether we're calling this a success or not. And why? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say he made a mistake, Skip, but I might be leaning towards saying he made a poor decision. You see what I mean? Okay. In this situation, yeah. he made, I, I thought, a poor decision when you have the opportunity of a Bill Belichick out there. That's what I'm saying. Let's think about this. Now, in the next three, four years, because right, it's what's going to take if you go find your young quarterback and talking about developing him, you're, you're going, it's going to take another two, three, four years. So, so now, in, yeah. in these next three years, you get a Bill Belichick, and he puts structure around your organization, gives you a pretty good defense. You can go out and find a veteran quarterback for the, the, the play while you're raising up a young 
a, a young quarterback with an offensive coordinator that you think is going to be ready to take over the job in four years when Bill retire, but now you have the structure of an organization and what a champion, how they practice, how they structure things, how they put it together. You have that in place. Who's bringing it? Who's bringing it? And not only who's bringing it, who can implement it? Can Raheem Morris implement yeah. that at the same level, with the same level of respect as he's implementing it, as Bill Belichick would have had? I, I say no. That's why I say we'll find out if he made a mistake. I just think he made a poor decision. Okay. So I'm asking both of you. I, I predicted before this hiring cycle I did not think Bill would get a job. Do you think if he doesn't get one now, he will get one next time around? If it's the right situation, there was only there was only two jobs that, to me, in my eyes, that was available that was right. I had already booked Chargers. I already booked the New England Patriots and the and the Las Vegas Raiders to, to sign a, a, or or better yet hire who they hired. That was already done. It, it, it didn't make any sense to do anything other than that. The Carolina Panther job, yeah, come on, man, stop. Right? It just Seattle doesn't make any sense. So it was only the Chargers or Atlanta that would have made any sense. And clearly the Chargers wanted to go the hardball route, which is fine. And then Atlanta, based on reports, Bill didn't want to, you know, figure out how to have a structure in place where they all could work together. But I do believe if, they, if something opens up next year that makes sense, he'll be in the running for that again. Hey, Skip, you and I both know there are some coaches and uh, some owners who are sitting here saying, mm, should I, should I not, should I? Okay, I may ride this out one more year. And one more year. Our team is in that boat, that same boat. So you'll see some teams that'll start looking at that one more year and giving that team that one more year. Yeah, he'll be right back. And, 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 and he's been coaching for like 60 years straight. So... It's okay to take a year off and, and that, breathe. And that's why I say I wish his people would have handled it as that. Just like that right there. Saying, hey, you know, Bill's weighing his options. Y'all come over here. We call it what we call it. And then after all of it said and done, we'll say, hey, you know what? Bill thinks he's just going to take a year off and breathe. Would have been in the same place, and the shine still would have been on Bill like it's supposed to be right Okay. Now. And you guys know how I feel. I actually hope he does get another shot a year from now so that it will close the case that Bill has been <laughs> overrated because I don't think he'll do well in his, his final hurrah. But if he goes That's to a Super Bowl, if he goes to another team oh, and he wins a Super Bowl, me. will you hands you down me. say I was hands wrong down. and then spell hands wrong? Down. But I will not have to do that because <laughs> Tom already did that for me when he went to Tampa and did it. Thank you very much, Tom Brady. Hey, okay, we got to get back to now. We got to get back to AFC Championship game. Chiefs, Ravens. I got the Ravens. I got them convincingly. We'll debate next. No mercy. No mercy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Okay, the time is nigh. Mahomes at Lamar. Chiefs at Ravens. Keyshawn Johnson, who wins and what is the score? You know, I'm taking the Ravens 31 to 27, Skip. It's, it, as I said before, okay. it's, Lamar, it's Lamar's time. This is, this, is, this is it. I mean, he's got to take it to the next level. Um, and I'm sure he's, he, he, he is willing and ready and able to do that. And it's going to be a tough out because it's Patrick Mahomes. But defensively, he's got a solid and sound defense. He's got weapons on the perimeter now. They still could run the football. And then when you look, is Mark Andrews going to be available? Is he coming back to help some things out? And he knows that there are people out there that are waiting to push sin and say, oh, he's two and four in the postseason now. He can't get over the hump. So you move the goalposts in these situations, right? It starts with, can he win the division? Can he win a playoff game? Can he advance into the division around? Oh, then they move it a little bit more and say, well, he's never been in an AFC championship game. So that goalpost keeps moving and moving and moving. And then if he wins, it's like, can he win the Super Bowl? And then if he loses, that thing says, well, he's two and four now. He, oh, poor, poor Lamar. He can't get over the hump. And he knows all of that pressure. The best thing for him, though, is he's playing at home. He's got the crowd behind him. He can be a little more relaxed attention to detail, and an understanding of what Kansas City is actually going to try to do to him when they're on defense, the crowd noise is down, he's not at arrowheads, so he doesn't have to worry about that. He's going to have a real true home, uh, home field advantage in this particular football game. But I got the Ravens. I got the Ravens okay. also winning this game, and I got a 34-28 score. Now, I'm trying to... As I look through this thing, see how this plays out in the end, you know, with, with the Patrick Mahomes making that last drive. And I was listening to the defensive coordinator, McDonald, talk about his simulated pressure, how he puts simulated pressure on, play, on, on quarterbacks and how that has worked so well for his team. But he's never gone up against a guy like 15. You know, 15 don't buy into the simulated pressure when you're sending four, but we don't know which four is coming because you're dropping one of the defensive linemen to drop back into a zone coverage. Now it's up to the quarterback to find the right receiver in the, in the offensive line to make sure they're in the right blocking protection. 15 will always find the right receiver, and he knows exactly how to buy more time. So the Baltimore Ravens defense have to be careful when they're trying to apply all of this simulated pressure. You got to get to Patrick Mahomes. The, 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 Los, the Las Vegas Raiders showed us. They showed us how to beat him. They got to Patrick Mahomes. Max Crosby got to Patrick Mahomes, and they won that game. And that's what the Baltimore Ravens will have to do. Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere easily. They're going to have to take this game because it, 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 this is everything. His legacy needs it so he can say, yeah, I want a game. I want a Super Bowl away from uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And, yep. my God, Lamar Jackson needs it way more than anything, and he needed to go through Patrick Mahomes to get it. If Josh Allen had come into Baltimore and they go to the Super Bowl, we still would be sitting here saying, yeah, you got a Super Bowl, but you didn't beat Patrick Mahomes. This is his yeah. time. 
Good point. No, all good points. So, Michael, you're going 34 to 28, right? Yes. Baltimore. Okay. So this is interesting to me because I, early in the week, had the score in your ballpark. I had it 30 to 20. And then I started thinking, Michael, wait a minute. All we talk about is Mahomes versus Lamar, Lamar versus Mahomes. We have the top two scoring defenses on the same football field for the AFC Championship game. We have the number one scoring defense, fewest points allowed, the Baltimore Ravens. Second fewest points allowed, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm thinking, wow, aren't we kind of overlooking? Aren't we overshadowing no. how how really great the Baltimore defense has been and how underrated great that Spag's defense has been because it's just been coming and coming and coming, and here it is. And because of that, and because I looked at the forecast, and it looks like on Sunday afternoon, it's a 3 o'clock Eastern time kickoff, it looks like it's going to rain. The temperature's not going to be bad because it's going to be up in the high 40s, but it, it's like 90% chance of rain. So I don't know for sure, but it, it feels like, looks like, smells like it's going to rain. So we're going to have some wet ball factor, and it feels like it's going to keep the score lower for me. So I, I'm going to go down. I'm going to drop my score down to like 24 to 14 Baltimore. Now, to both your points about who's the better team, well, what I love the most about Baltimore, I can encapsulate in one stat for both of you. Baltimore went 6-0 and during the regular season against teams that were three or more games above 500. And in those six wins, they won by an average of 26 points against all the good teams that they played. And just quickly, they beat Houston twice, obviously, in the first game, in the first playoff game. It was 25-9 and 34-10. to then they beat Cleveland 28-3. to Then they beat Detroit. Remember that game at Baltimore? It was 38-6. to And then they beat the 49ers, as we will know on Christmas night, at 49ers 33-19. to It wasn't even that close. And then don't forget, the Dolphins were flying high and ran into the Ravens, and it was 56-19. to So to me, they've shown you routinely that – they will rise up to the level of competition. They, they don't play you know, down to the level. They, they rise up. They don't get exposed. They, they actually show no, you even they, more dominance not, against the, the better teams. No, get on out of here. What's that? that man. They, they're not know. the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. They do not get exposed. Well, yeah. But, 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 but listen, okay. I, I, I go well, back. You got me. Bingo. Uh, right. I go back to last year, man, yeah. when I watched – when I watched Patrick Mahomes, and I think he was playing the 49ers. That year he played the 49ers. Yeah. Dude. In San Francisco. And, and, and that was the Patrick Mahomes, that's the Patrick Mahomes that Baltimore is about to see. I mean, he tore up that number one defense then. That was the top defense then. And he yeah. played quite a game. I mean, he did everything. He did. It, was, it was one of those Iron Man games. Uh, and, and I'm expecting that kind of game. Skip, I know you talked about number one, number two scoring defense. Yeah. But we also have these two different type of quarterbacks. And Lamar's trying to climb up in that elite, elite, elite echelon of a quarterback that, and with Patrick Mahomes. This is the game that will give him this. Patrick Mahomes is trying to show you, yeah, later on we're going to have conversations about is he the greatest? And I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about later on in time. Well, is he, is yeah. he the greatest? And all of these little things start getting pulled out. Well, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl 
He went on the road to get his. That's when all of this is going to come up. And Patrick Mahomes wants to take it out of your head right now and take it out of your ability to speak on it. And that's why this is going to be a great meet. These two quarterbacks see their legacies at stake, and they will give everything. I can't wait to watch that. No, no defense is going to be able to stop these two quarterbacks. None. Well, you, you got a point there, Michael, about the Kansas City Chiefs defense being able to stop or slow down Lamar Jackson. This is a duplicate of a week ago in Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They do very similar things, both with their legs and the delivery of the football. Josh Allen played well against Kansas City, well enough to win that football game. He missed a throw when he probably should have hit uh, Diggs underneath on a shallow cross or instead of trying yeah. to step into the throw on the post. He missed that throw. Yeah. But for the most part, throughout that game, he played solid, sound football enough for them to win. This is Lamar Jackson is a duplicate of what they just saw. Okay, maybe a little more dynamic in terms of running yeah. because he's not as powerful of a runner as Josh mm -hmm. Allen. But it's the same thing. It's the RPO game. It's the uh, design runs with the quarterback. It's delivering the football in sync in rhythm. So Kansas City saw what they saw against Josh Allen. And I, I can imagine that we're going to see that and more against Kansas City because of Lamar Jackson. Okay, but Keyshawn, what, what, Buffalo's defense was decimated. Right. They're playing third stringers. Right. Oh, and, yeah. Right. And, yes. And, and, and it won't be that situation in, in Baltimore. You're right. That, no, it will, it not, will be not be that situation. That I'm talking about on the defensive side for Kansas City, though, up against Lamar. The Buffalo's defense, we already know that that wasn't anything. This is going to be a tougher test for Patrick Mahomes, no question about it. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not stupid enough to say that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a chance and Patrick Mahomes won't walk in there right. and win the game. I'm not that genius. silly. But at the same time, when yeah. I look across the field at this kid number eight in Lamar Jackson, he has something to prove because there are yeah. doubters. There are people out there ready to hit sure. the sand button to be able to say, well, see, I knew he couldn't do it. I knew this type of style couldn't advance to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That's all going to change on Sunday evening. Yeah, and, and, okay. and you know, when I look at it, you know, Lamar, we were talking about this earlier, Lamar, Lamar this year threw 3,678 3, yards. That's the most he's ever thrown for. You look at Patrick Mahomes' MVP years, those are 5,000 yards regularly because we see Patrick Mahomes as a passer that can buy time moving around. But until this year, we saw Lamar Jackson as a runner that's trying to learn how to pass. He doesn't want that. He wants to be an official quarterback that can run. And that's what he started showing this year. And that's why this journey, this time, he may never throw for 5,000 yards. That's what Key and I was talking about. But 3,600 and rushing for another 1,000, that's how you get his accumulation thereof. I'll take that, I'll take, I'll take that all day long. Yeah. I'll take it all day long. Yeah, and, and, and you'll take it. Oh, wow. Trust me, Lamar wants to be known as a four or five thousand yard passer. You know what I mean? That's what he's always talked about. And he spoke out of the abundance of his heart. He said, the Bible says the mouth to speak. When he first came in the league, he said, they think I'm a running back. Just call me a running back. That was his pain speaking. This is his promise showing up right here. Pay that man. Pass the plate. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, so, before the season started, I said that, yeah, what's that? 
No, no, keep messing with me. I'm just saying the man. Well, I just told right, the past the plate, yeah, man. At the beginning of this man's career, when a man comes out talking about everybody just calls me a running back, yeah. they ask me to go to running back, they ask me to go to receiver, you know he's carried that pain with him to this point. That's why he talked about, I'm going to make y'all give me a guaranteed contract because you spoke against me like this. He didn't get that accomplished. But this is the journey we can clearly see that he is on, and that's why this game is, is everything. Yeah, so before the year started, I said Lamar would win the regular season MVP and win the Super Bowl, and it just feels like that's been meant to be all year long, like that's been his destiny. And on the other side, it, it just felt like the Chiefs all year long were teetering, like they never were quite right. They, they felt a little more right at Buffalo. But again, against a decimated defense, it took Buffalo's kicker, Tyler Bass, missing a 41-yard field goal to avoid overtime. So I, I don't know that Kansas City as a football team, especially as an offense, has played at as high a level as they have in the past. I don't think they're quite what they used to be while Baltimore has arrived. Would you guys agree with that takeaway? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I certainly do. Uh, you know, when you look at the, the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo and the missed field goal to send it into overtime, you, you just – whatever it is that's going on in Buffalo is going on. But Kansas City, all you have to do is hit it right at the right time. You can, you can wobble alone during the regular season. You can. But come yeah. postseason – you just got to hit. And they've been able to do that. That's why they're now in the AFC Championship. But conventional wisdom says if you don't perform at the lower levels, putting you at a higher, harder level doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It usually means you're not going to be successful. I think some of those issues that they had in this game may show back up. And let's be real here. While we're talking about Lamar has to win this game, this is yeah. probably – the weakest you're going to ever catch Patrick Mahomes. He is willing yeah, I agree. this team. I, I agree he is willing this team. So if you well don't said. get him now, yeah. then we're going That's to be true. saying, I don't know if you will ever get him. This is the best chance you'll have. Unless, well, let me put one more caveat on. Unless Andy Reid walks away. Because then you may have a, unless okay. Andy Reid walks right. away, because that, that, that's a master at what he Well, does. then they just hire Bill Belichick, right? I, I and then what, they go why, right why on. Why would you like even say that, you? Michael? Because uh, <laughs> you knew what he was going to say. You know what he was going to say. You know, you, you're not, now listen, now that, now. Yeah. They, why they, would you even do that? They, they, they may bring in Bill and then get your boy. Skip, back would you rather have Bill Belichick, uh, would you rather have Bill Belichick and then bring coach back the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy? Who would you rather have? No, I love Mike McCarthy. He's the best. Man, who, I, I think he's the best coach in football right now. Man, We're onward and upward. We're going to oh, win it all God. next year. But, but you don't right, think right. if Andy walks away and Bill takes that job and bring in, bring in the enemy as his OC, <laughs> man, they'll run through this league. I hope they don't do nothing like that. Right. They'll, right. they'll still run through right. this we, league. We got to talk about the other game, the NFC Championship game. We got Lions at 49ers. Is it possible, to use Keyshawn's favorite term, that the 49ers are about to boat race the Lions? Yeah. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. NFC Championship game. Lions at Niners. 6.30 Eastern Sunday on Fox. Michael Irvin, I'm going to go with you first here. Who you got and what's the score? Mm. And I heard you guys talking about this game and everybody's talking about like this game's going to be a blowout. I do not concur with that conclusion. I do not subscribe to that at all. I have this game because I told you guys if any team in the National Football League that is as, that's, that can match the physicalness, that will get in and try to fight physical with physical, is the Detroit Lions right here. For the San Francisco 49ers. I'll give you the score I got this at a 28-24 game. That Detroit Lions offensive line versus the San Francisco 49ers defensive front, this is where this battle is right here. Because if you get Jared Goff time, he, he, he can hurt you on the back end. But more importantly, if you can run this football on early downs, and Detroit has run against everybody, you can run the football on early downs. You can have success against this defense. Then on the other side, you have to get to Brock Purdy. You have to get to Brock Purdy to give yourself a chance if you are the Detroit Lions. You get to Brock Purdy. You run the football. Now Jared Goff can do what Jared Goff does and make some plays down the field with St. Brown and LaPorta and hurt that secondary and hurt the San Francisco 49ers, and finally, finally get a win in San Francisco. You know they haven't won a game in San Francisco, the Detroit Lions. I know they're overcoming all these insurmountable odds this year. Since 1976, there's 13, the 49ers, 13-0 against the Detroit Lions at home. They've broken all of these other things that have gone on 30 years against this, 30 years against that. Let's see if they can get this one right here and get their first win since 1976 in San Francisco. I don't believe so. 28-24, I got the 49ers going to the Yeah, season. Michael, you made a strong case for Detroit, but you don't have the courage to go right. ahead and no, no, cross no, not, not, not in the end. Not in the end. But I, and I made that case because so we can have a So as we get into conversations about it, I, you guys are saying, like, this has got to be about to be a blowout. I'm making a case not for Detroit, but against those words I heard right then, thinking this is going to be a blowout. That's not about to happen. Hmm. Well, I certainly don't believe it's a blowout. In fact, I believe that the Detroit Lions will go into San Francisco and turn Shanahan into Andy Reid of the Philadelphia Eagles. Three straight oh. NFC Championship games, 2021, 22, 23, and home. That's the way I look at it. And, and I think Dan Campbell in this team, physicality is important. Second, keep it is second and medium short, third and short. If you can, if you can continue to get on first down, you can get me four yards. Mm-hmm. Now you got me at second and six, you can get me three to four. Now you put me at third and short. Right. I'm taking away what San Francisco wants to do on the defensive side of the ball, which is pin their ears back and go get the quarterback with Chase Young at one side and Nick Bosa at the other. When you you start to see that take shape, you now got to combat that with the running game like Michael's talking about. 
to slow things down. And if you get ahead, which, again, this question still comes up for me. Double-digit deficit. Can you come back from double-digit? Not four points, not against Green Bay, but when you're down by 11 or you're down by 10 or 14, can you all of a sudden come from behind in these situations to win the football game? And San Francisco has yet to show me that in double digits, not like Richard was talking about. Well, we came from, that's four points. I'm yeah. talking double digit. Yeah, but even, even if they get behind here in Detroit, it, it, Detroit will say, oh, on any lead, we just going to run this ball yes, now. Yes, absolutely, and, 100%. The, the, the Packers came off of that, and, 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 gave, and you'll give them opportunities, get 49 opportunities, but Detroit won't come off of it. That's why I believe it. it. It's, it's interesting, Skip, because when you look at it, it with the 49ers and, and Kyle Shanahan, They've been to the NFC Championship game for the last couple seasons. They're in it again this year. So that pressure to advance beyond the NFC Championship game and get to the Super Bowl so that I'm not Andy Reid of the Philadelphia Eagles going every single year but can't get over the hump, can't finish the deal, will certainly be in the back of the minds of that head coach. I guarantee you that. That Atlanta Falcons debacle against the New England Patriots is certainly – in the back of his mind. That Super Bowl loss to the Kansas City Chiefs is certainly in the back of the mind of the coach. So it'll be interesting to see how Shanahan combats Aaron Glenn on the defensive side, defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, the head coach. How do they combat each other? How, how do we play this chess match to make sure that our team doesn't get put in this situation? And Jared Goff, if he, if he wins and advances his team, He'd be the fifth starting quarterback on two to lead two teams to a Super Bowl. And I'm sure he knows that as well. So the score, 29-23, okay, so I'm taking the Lions. Boy, that's something. I, I thought I heard you say okay. that. Yes, 29-23. Oh, you're taking the Lions. You do yes. take the Lions. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. The, yeah. That eluded oh, yeah. me for a second. Oh, yeah. 29-23. 20. You, you, you hinted at this early in the week, and now you have plunged. I'm what? impressed. Hey, it's easy, it's easy to take the 49ers. It's harder to take the Lions if you don't believe in what they're doing. And I believe in what they're doing. I watched Baltimore go into San Francisco. I watched Green Bay you did. have them. Oh, they had them so scared and spooked to the end. I watched Cleveland beat them in the, on the road. I've, I've seen San Francisco okay. be vulnerable. I've seen it. So I can't just be the guy that, oh, because everybody picks them because they just think that they're just so magical. Well, it's like matchups sometimes are important. And that front on both sides for them right. is stout. But Pulu's serious. They, they're they're serious. serious. Okay. All right. It is my turn, and you can both call me as crazy as you want to call me crazy, but this is a seven-point spread. San Francisco by seven. I don't think it is nearly enough. I'm going to use Keyshawn's favorite term, boat race, here, because I don't know exactly – why we call it a boat race, because it could be a close boat race, but, but I know what it means. It means that one team's just going to wipe out the other team. I believe the 49ers, apologies to Michael Irvin, will wipe out the Detroit Lions. I believe that Cinderella's going to go pumpkin at San Francisco. I, I think they will get exposed because it's as simple as this. Pro Football Focus grades Detroit's pass defense the 29th in the league, 29th worst in the league. The San Francisco offense is graded number one in the league. 
if we just do, we just talked about how Ravens are number one in points allowed and Chiefs are number two in points allowed. Number three in points allowed are the 49ers. Number 23 in points allowed are the Detroit Lions. So they have a pathetic pass defense and really an overall pathetic defense by NFC championship game standards. 23rd in defense against the best offense and the quarterback who had the number one QBR in all the land in Brock Purdy. I just think he's going to name the score. I I think they will have their way with Detroit's secondary, and they're just going to go up and down the field and take the the Detroit running game. And I love Jameer Gibbs because he's special. He is is electric special. But they're going to take him quickly out of the game. I'm sorry. I I look at what Detroit did when they went to Baltimore. I mentioned it earlier. It it was 28 to nothing at at halftime in favor of the Ravens. And and it went to 35 to nothing after three quarters. Detroit just wasn't in Baltimore's league. And remember what happened when Green Bay got hot and they went to Detroit on Thanksgiving. I look up and it's 23 to six Green Bay at halftime. I, I just don't think they're all that. I, I think they're about to get exposed. I think they've had a magical year, but it's going to take magic that they don't have up against the number one offense in an NFC championship game out there on that turf where the weather is supposed to be beautiful. So there's not going to be any wet ball throwing problems for Brock Purdy. I got it 35 to 14 San Francisco. And if if you guys want a dinner bet on this, I'll give both of you the seven points. I'll, I'll, if anybody wants it, you can have seven points for a dinner if you want it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you'll take it. I, 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 I won't. But I think, listen, I, when, when, I, when I see this battle and, and this matchup, you guys are looking at it. It's Brock Purdy coming through the ball. I think that gives Detroit an opportunity. If they, if you say, all right, we're going to show everybody that Brock Purdy last week had a bad game because it was wet and we're going to throw this ball all over the field, you, Detroit, you just gave Detroit an opportunity. That's the opportunity they need because all they need is a few turnovers in this game to pull away, to, to yeah. have an opportunity at winning this game. If, if they get yeah. two turnovers from Brock Purdy and they can run the football, they'll walk, they'll walk away with a win. Here, so so they, they have to be careful throwing that ball all over the field, Skip, because I thought not, I think not, that puts it not, in. The not way. only that, Brock Purdy has not played in an NFC championship game. Don't tell me last year he played. Because he didn't play. He did. Got hurt. No. So this it's is new. This is this is new. This ain't this ain't I've been here, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. No, you helped get your team there, yeah. but you didn't play. Okay, so but Keyshawn, this is a different it's really pressure. new for the Detroit Lions, too. No, no, right? it, it, it is they, new they for the Detroit there. Lions, but the guy underneath the center, he's been in the Super Bowl, been in the championship game, been in playoff runs before. I don't care if Sean McVay yep. was calling plays or not. He still had to drop back and throw the right. football, drop back and find the open receivers and understand the pressure that comes to bear in these situations. And I, Brock Purdy, look. Do I think he's going to turn the ball over like he did against Baltimore? No, I don't. But I'm not so stupid to think that Detroit can't upset this team when I've watched Jordan Love go in there and take care of business. And he had it. They had it right here. They had it right in their hands, and they let it slip away. And I watched Detroit go into Dallas at the end of the season and essentially win that football game 
against they won a, the game against a pretty good yep. team that San Francisco boat raced. So I I, yep. I look at those things. I watched San Francisco go on a three game skid to the point where they had to take the defensive coordinator from upstairs and bring him to the sideline just to get some normal communication going with the guys so they can play a lot better. Yes, that is true. Detroit secondary. Now, it's not even secondary. I call it a, a pass defense. Pass defenses give up yards for many different reasons, okay? Whether they're in a lot of two-minute situations and they're allowing people to eat at them before the half at the end of games, that, that's how you have – you can't just look at the numbers and go, well, pro football focus says that they're the worst pass defense just based on the numbers because from personal experience, I played against teams that had horrible – past defenses because of the numbers. But when you actually played against them, right. it wasn't like that. It was not like that. So I would caution you, Skip, at looking at the numbers and just saying, oh, okay, because matchups are so important. It's, it's so important in the designs and the schemes and things of that nature on that back end. What are the fronts? What is Hutchinson's and those guys doing to get to Brock okay. Purdy? Are they allowing him to have more time? Are they, are they uh, uh, getting empty uh, statistics because before the half, you're in two minutes, and at the end of the games, the teams that they're playing in two minutes? So it takes it a little off balance, Skip. I remember, when, guys, when we were looking at uh, some numbers, and I was looking at the problem for the Dallas Cowboys, the movement on offense because Dallas get, gets lost in eye candy. And, you know, San Francisco, Miami, Detroit were the top teams with movement on offense. San Francisco does a lot of that to confuse defenses, confuse Dallas, have people running wide open. But Detroit is used to this. They're used to all of the movement because they run a lot of movement on their offense. This is going to be a battle, a physical football battle. Not one of these systems beating a system where everybody's running out of place. This is going to be a man going up against a man, a physical football battle that I believe Detroit will be in that game because they, they bite kneecaps. But I just don't think, they don't think they'll have enough to win that game. Mm, Michael, Debo, your man is going to play. Maybe he won't be 100%, but he is going to play. Doesn't now, that and, 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 and see, and that, that this is, well... You know, like I tell you, when he first got hurt and he called me the other day, you know, when, when he, after, after, the, after he got the MRI. And, and let me just tell you now, this, this, that's the difference right there. That's the difference. If Debo is not anywhere near around on the football field, I, I may have gone ahead and picked Detroit because he's got to bring that attitude for what they're about to face, for what they are, they are about to go to, go up against. That, that war cry that they do walking out with him and Trent yep. with the music. That's a war cry. That, that, that's saying we're coming for war, coming for battle. That matters. Dallas, they walked out. All I heard was cliques. Man, ain't nobody talking about no Dallas, man. I didn't hear You just got to figure out how to I'm slide them saying, into the conversation. I'm just telling you Dallas war cries Dallas been over with two weeks ago. I'm just telling you they matter, Skip. Man, they been home two about weeks, man. We, we, the, what war cry matter and having that fella started oh, will matter. Dallas and they been need over with for two weeks, Skip. I'm talking about Debo Samuel. Can I talk you about You brought Debo? Dallas in I'm just saying, I was doing, I was just making sure so I can show people how Nobody wants to is. hear about the Cowboys right now. And you keep bringing them up, Keisha. He yeah, up. That's right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you keep bringing him up. 
So I love Skip the final point spread that we have today, it just went up to seven and a half. And, I, and my bet stands. You have the rest of the show to take it or leave it, whatever you want. I'll give each of you, both of you, seven and a half in Detroit <sighs> if you want it for a dinner. If you've got any guts at all to put your your dinner where your mouth is, I have a dinner on the table. I, I have a dinner bet already with Richard Sherman for this weekend. That Lamar will win the high, uh, will win the MVP, and he says not. So I don't case. think he took that. I don't no, know. he took it. No, he took it. Did he? Yes, he did. Oh, it was Cole. He he wanted Cole with Chris. Yeah, he's trying to get a Cole going. Okay. Too late, right, buddy. Right. Okay. So uh, all right. In a moment, we got to talk about this because the Carolina Panthers have hired Dave Canales. It came to that. Wow. No mercy. No mercy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Panthers owner David Tepper finally got somebody to take his head coaching job. That's first-year Tampa Bay offensive coordinator Dave Canales. So Canales leaves Baker Mayfield for Bryce Young. Michael Irvin, how will this work? Now, this is, I would imagine, this is one of those hires that they made strictly for their young quarterback. You know, uh, when you see some of the success that these teams have had when you hire the Sean McVeighs and, and these young offensive, Mike McDaniels, these young offensive-minded coaches that come in and instantly find success. We, you guys were talking about, you know what Jared Goff looked like before Sean McVay got there. You know, we know what Tua looked like down in Miami before Mike McDaniels got there. And that's exactly what they're trying to get out of Carolina and with Bryce Young and hooking him up with Canales as this coach. Now, here's the thing, though. As you look through it, you try to assess, okay, what, what, where, where did he do those great things with the quarterback as he went through it? You know, he's given credit for kind of reviving Geno's career here in, in that second run over in Seattle. And, and, and also, last year, we kind of reviving and giving Baker another opportunity. Now, I don't see Bryce right now in the reviving state. I see him in the growing state. So this will be interesting to see what he does with this opportunity with this young quarterback. If he can do what Mike McDaniels did for the Miami Dolphins, we didn't know a lot about Coach McDaniels. We knew he had some great pedigree and coming from that Shanahan tree and everything. But And, and, and he was a different kind of guy, and I wondered how that would work. But he went in, he stayed who he is, he remained himself, and he put together a great offense to fit the talent that they have in Miami. Those players love Coach McDaniels. They love him because he, 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 he knows what, how to do what's best for them. That's what I'm expecting to see out of this. That's the only reason I see where you go and make this kind of uh, hire with, with, with all the coaching, the, the valuable, quality coaches that were on the market. You did this for your young quarterback, and you want to see immediate returns on this investment in this coach. It's a, 
it's certainly a, a very, very, very interesting it's hire scratcher. to me. And, and the reason it's a very, very interesting hire is because Dave Canellis was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for one season. Right. He got a guy who's a veteran quarterback who's had success in his league to have some success with the Buccaneers. Baker threw for 44,000 yeah. yards, a career-high 28 touchdowns, yeah. 64% completion percentage, mm -hmm. and just 10 interceptions. Discount that down to five because, you know, balls bounce all over the place, and sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it's not. But when I look at the interesting hire, and you mentioned, Michael, all these other coaches, right, the Josh, uh, 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 not Josh McDaniels, but sure, Mike McDaniels or, or, or Sean McVay, but I want you to take a step back those young quarterbacks and where they were coming from. They were coming from Jeff Fisher, a defensive-minded coach. That's what I'm saying. And Flores, a defensive-minded coach. Correct. You just had an offensive coach in Frank, Frank Wright, Wright that you fired in the middle of the year because you didn't like his communication, meaning David Tepper, with the quarterback that you drafted. Right. You drafted, not the staff. And then Dan Morgan, one of my former teammates, good friend of mine who was in Seattle when Dave Canellis was in Seattle for the last, for those eight years that they worked together, has familiarity with him. So he says, hey, I remember all those great rides we used to ride to work together all the time. I got an opportunity as a general manager now in Carolina. I'm going to bring you in. Meanwhile, you had Jim Caldwell in the building that you could have very easily hired as the head coach, a veteran guy. When you have a young quarterback like this that you're trying to find out about his tool set, you need a veteran mind that can come in and knows what to do. Now, is Dave Canellis is going to be important in terms of his staff. Is he got a veteran presence on his staff that has been a head coach or something along part. those lines? That's well, going to be extremely important. Sean McVay hired Wade Phillips. And he didn't have to worry about nothing else. Because when you come from a coordinating position to become a head coach, mm. you're not thinking about 23 guys in the room that you got to draw stuff up for and all that. You're now talking about 60-something players plus staff outside of the football players. You're talking about worrying about the training room and worrying about the strength and conditioning staff and little things like that that could take away from you becoming a successful head coach. Now, at the same time, you trying to now bring a young quarterback up that many people have reservations about, including myself, as to how successful he can be in this league. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, not, I'm just a head-scratcher to me uh, because of the owner and the decisions that he allows himself to make sometimes hadn't worked out for him. Yeah, Keyshawn, it may be that Dave Canales was was the only coach that he could hire that would take the job because that, that man, that, not a good job. There's only Look, 32. You, you, there's only 32. There's only 32 of them. And when you're a young head coach, I mean, when you're a young coach and you really want to get a job, you take it. Yeah. All right. What I know about Dave Canales, I mostly know through our man, Richard Sherman, who obviously played when Dave was the coach up in Seattle, low those many, many years. Richard swears by Dave Canales because he says he's a really good human being. He's just a good man with a good big heart, and, and he's a good guy, and he's fun to be around on a daily basis. And now I'm going to start with Baker. 
he really helped Baker a lot because Baker's confidence was teetering. He'd been through the battles at Cleveland and then the wars at Carolina, and he was in his last hurrah, last stop. And Dave Canales worked wonders with Baker just being his big brother, just being a confidant, just being there for him to back him up and bolster his confidence and show him, we can do this and this will work. And Baker began to believe in Dave and trust Dave. And now I hate this for Baker because he was onward and upward. I know Tampa wants to go up with him and give him a three-year deal for the money that he earned this past year. He is their new face of the franchise and franchise quarterback. And guys, he's now going to be on his eighth offensive coordinator in seven NFL seasons. It's just not fair. It's not right. He's going to have to start completely over again. And it just makes it hard on your psyche because you got to learn all new terminology and learn the the nuances, the new guy and how he operates and what his personality, what his quirks are, what his nature is, how he calls plays, how it sounds in your ear during games. He's got to start from scratch again. But the good news is I, I do believe that Dave Canales, ha- Keyshawn, I know you, you got your doubts about Bryce, but however good Bryce can be, I believe Dave will get him there. He, he'll, he'll make him what, whatever he can be, whatever his ceiling is. I believe Dave Canales can help Bryce get to that ceiling fairly quickly. But that's just being a quarterback coach. Right. Now you're also the head coach right. of an NFL franchise, right. and you've right. never been a head coach anywhere before. And right. all of a sudden, and I went back and forth with Richard about this last night, Richard's only concern is, well, can Dave command the room? Because he's never tried that before. Richard hopes so, believes he can, but – you do have some veteran players on that team, a Brian Burns, a Derek Brown in the defensive line. Will, will they will they buy in? Will they believe in Dave Canales? It's it's hard. It, can he win their respect right away in, in the first mini camps and the OTAs? Can can he gain their ear? Can he gain um, a foothold in that locker room where they will believe in him and follow him? into battle. I, I don't right. know because he's never done anything like that. So right. it's good for Bryce, but the rest of it's a big X factor to me. Yeah, but that's why I brought up the importance of what Mike McDaniels did, has done in, in yeah. Miami and how he went yeah. about it. You can gain that respect. You can earn that respect. Is how you design this offense. And here's, as we guys, as we were talking about it, probably one of the positives of this whole thing that I can pull out and extrapolate from it, you know, Frank Wright's been in the league a long time. He's been a head coach, been office coordinator. He's set in what he wants to get done and how he wants it done. So, so, so yeah. now, if they had some battle, as Key was just talking about, about picking this player, yeah. Bryce Young, over they another did. player that maybe Frank Wright wanted, and in some place, uh, some way, this has affected Frank's ability, uh, uh, Dave Tapper's thing, his Great ability to, to coach this Agreed. kid because he didn't yeah. believe in him in the first place. And that's why Tab said, let me go find somebody that can build around this kid that believes in what he does. So so I can understand yeah. it from that point. And I, and you got a fresh mind who who is not stuck in his ways. So you can he can mold his own offense around this kid. I I, I would amass assume assess that that's that's what they're doing with giving him this opportunity. But all that stuff Key talked about from a head coaching standpoint, worried about building all that, that is true. 
might, but, but you can get help with all of those things because those are things that you will have time to make decisions on. You can get advice from people, talk about people. I'm talking about four minutes left to go in the game, clock management, timeouts being called, when all you ever had to worry about was calling a few plays. Okay. Now you have to know yep. about all of this stuff in real time, with all of us having a million eye gates right upon you, staring right at you, you got to make the right call. That scares me right there. And that's why I say yeah. when you're trying to develop a young quarterback, hiring yeah. a young head coach, just because he has some success with a veteran presence in a division in which you saw twice a year and then some as you watch film and you do whatever, you have some familiarity with that Baker Mayfield quarterback in Tampa who had success, by the way, in Cleveland, okay? You look at that and you say, for me, I'm looking at it and I'm looking for a veteran coach on the offensive side of the ball that I, if, I, if that's the route that I'm going. I'm not going first-time yeah. head coach over here. I just have Frank Wright, yeah. okay? Frank Wright's a pretty good offensive mind with Jim Caldwell in the building. So... It's just, it, look, it's only 32 of them. He had okay. to take the job. Yeah. Hey, I just have reservations about where the Carolina Panthers are going to go from here. Yeah. yeah. So, Keyshawn, to your point, would it be a better combination if Jim Caldwell could kind of run the show and be the head coach and Dave could be the assistant head coach in charge of the offense and the quarterback. Would that be a better fit? Yeah, I, I believe it would because I have nothing but respect for what Jim could do as a proven head coach at the highest level. No, you don't but, have to. You don't have to flip it. But what you got to do, for instance, with Dave Canellis, is have a guy yeah. like Jim actively involved in the stuff, like in, in it. Like you got to have a guy, whether it's Jim Caldwell or. Somebody else that's out there from an offensive mind standpoint that could be hands-on in why you navigate your way through being a first-time head coach. Because right. you talked to Richard last night. You, and the first thing Jim Richard Caldwell talked about. in the box and you make sure he has called to his ear. Exactly. We need a timeout right here, Jim. Yeah. We need a timeout right Absolutely. here. Call the timeout. Right. You know, those are the yeah. things that Key's talking about. You better believe he needs to kind of, he's going to need help with this. He does. Help with this. Because now you got to be watching this clock, but also watching this game to see what player do I need to talk about to try to reach down inside and pull something more up out of yeah. him. Not to mention, I got to yeah. take the time to find out what's his, what, what, what is this switch? I gotta find and learn. I gotta learn about my players so I know how to move these players, how to work yeah. with these players. It ain't no That's Mike. It ain't no Mike Evans's and Godwin's right. over there. So. Vet <laughs> veterans that already know how to do it. You just gotta lay out a map and they will follow it. You gotta That's teach these point. young guys. Yeah. All right. My final thought on this is Frank Reich, when he played quarterback, got coached hard, old school hard, and I think he coached Bryce old school hard. Dave Canales will be a breath of fresh air, at least for Bryce. So I'm Bryce had Nick Saban. Right, right. That, that's true too. Well, but not coaching <laughs> offense. Not yeah, but Nick did, Nick did everything. Nick did. He he doesn't coach the offense, but Nick is. You come on, man. Yeah, you but, already know how Nick is. But but to, <laughs> but but but, but on, on, to Skip's point too, in this league, quarterbacks run everything, and you got to take ownership of that offense. Why are we seeing Lamar Jackson spring off right now? Because he believes this offense is for him. 
Yeah. That last offense, he, you know, he, he thought that held him in a little bit. He believes this yeah. offense is giving him the control he wants, and now he's taking off. So there's something to Bryce right. feeling like this is my offense. All right. I got it. Back to the AFC Championship game. How huge would it be Sunday if Patrick Mahomes, as an underdog at Baltimore, could pull off a road upset? That's a good question. So here was Patrick Mahomes after the Chiefs won at Buffalo. Listen to this. Hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. Hey, Hey, they asked for it. Yeah. And they got what they asked for. But he said it. This ain't done. We come back next week ready to go. And turn it up a notch. Chiefs on three, one, two, three. Whoa. Ah, I'm pretty sure Mahomes is saying that critics have always said, well, Mahomes has played all his playoff games at home. So now Patrick has a new battle cry. They wanted this. They got it on the road. So, Michael, how much would winning his first road AFC championship game after, of course, five at home? Well, how much would that mean to Mahomes legacy? Now, and w- when you put it that way, uh, skip question, first road how much that would, would mean is legacy. I say a great deal. A great deal. Yeah. Now, because I, I kind of hinted towards this earlier, because ultimately, in the end, when all is said and done and we revisit history and look back on it and start measuring where do you fall amongst the great, and Patrick Mahomes has been open about his chase of that great. He wanted to be one of the greatest to ever do it. That's why, that's why he, he put so much into it. And boy... He, he's the best in the world at it, bar none right now. So when we ask how much it means, I think it means a great deal. Now, if we ask how much is, what does it mean to his legacy, his legacy is established already. His legacy is established. He's two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time MVP. You know what I mean? He, the, the, the New York rise in this league, we were talking about him as possibly the one that will catch Tom Brady if anybody has a chance at ever catching Tom Brady. But having this road win is going to count when we start having those conversations at the end of his career about where does he stack up. If all of them have come through uh, uh, Arrowhead, we're going to take points away from that. So you have to have this game and go through this way, go go on the road and win a Super Bowl to get that out of those arguments. Of course, it's not taken away from who he is. He's still a great quarterback if he doesn't do it. But you, what, what, what you love, what I love, what everybody loves about these kinds of athletes, like the Patrick Mahomes and the, and, and the Tom Brady's, is if you look at them wrong, they take that as gold. That's juice. You looked at me wrong, and they go and play great games. That's why I'm expecting him to play a great game because it's a great challenge, and that's what brings the best out of him. Mm. So what was your initial question there, Skip? How how much does it mean to his legacy? How much would winning a road AFC championship game, how much would it mean to his ultimate legacy? I, I think it means a lot if he wins and goes to the Super Bowl because that's one step closer to closing that gap on that conversation about Tom Brady, Joe Montana, you know, those type of multiple Super Bowl championship winning quarterbacks. In in my mind, as I sit and I think about this, 
That was interesting, Key. We need we needed to uh, determine if going is the completion or winning is the completion. So, because he has to go through everybody to get there on the road. One step, get, one, that's right. that, and that's your problem. So, so that's what I'm asking. And, that, and that's your no, problem. You, you brought that up, no, no, Key. I thought that, it was a good that's point. You and Skip's problem, one step at a time. That's the okay. problem. One step okay. at a time. He's got to get past this one. Right, okay. Then next week, we can talk about the Super Bowl. We'll see, oh, we'll see, see, that's the problem <laughs> with you Cowboys. Y'all just jump ahead. Let's see what I'm saying. See, ain't nobody saying about no Cowboys. And so, four Super Bowls in his first six seasons if he advanced. That's ridiculous. That's, that, that doesn't make that's any great. sense, right? So, you add that on to that legacy conversation. If he loses it, he just loses an AFC championship game because some of those other great quarterbacks have lost AFC championship games in divisional games, too. It's like Michael Jordan. He's 6-0 and in championships. Right. But what about all the times he lost in the playoffs before he started getting to the championship? So you, 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 you look at it differently based on that. What I would say, though, from my mind, on the road, number one seed Baltimore, number three seed KC, going into Baltimore and winning that would be huge, huge, because it's one step closer. All from, from what I can think of, Tom Brady had to go on the road and win. Troy Aikman had to go on the road. And, and not all the time, but at least once. I don't know if Joe went on the road. to. I don't, I don't ever recall him going on the road to clinch. Maybe he did. Skip, you probably would have a... Uh, a, a cleaner observation of that because it was so long ago that you would definitely know. But most quarterbacks have to go on the road at some point to win. And, and this is his opportunity to go on the road and win. And then you just become one step closer to chasing down Tom Brady and Joe Montana. Okay. So to me, Patrick is in the sweetest spot of his entire playoff career because if he loses, nobody's going to hold this against him because they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. We have all picked the Ravens. People have been picking the Ravens all year. They've been the best team all year. There would be no shame in losing to Lamar and company at Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. But if you look hard at Patrick's legacy, and I, Keyshawn, the four and six would be just off the charts. It'd be unheard of spectacular. I give you that. So right now as we stand... Patrick Mahomes is 13-3 and three in the postseason. That, that's spectacular. When, when I looked at that last night, 13-3 and three already in the postseason. But, but obviously, if you look at it, 10 of those 13 wins came at Arrowhead because they just kept cakewalking through the AFC West, and then they would sort of cakewalk through that side of the bracket in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowls. And then, of course, of his 13 wins – Two of them came on neutral sites in the Super Bowl. And then he finally, as he finally won his first road game, obviously, at Buffalo. I discounted a little bit because Buffalo was just decimated on defense. But he went up there and played very well. I thought Josh played a little better, but Josh came out on the bottom of that one. And the kicker missed a 41 yard field goal, and Patrick won a road playoff game. And we just showed what he said in the locker room after the game. He's got a new road battle cry because they said you can't win on the road. So to me, he could really, this would be a huge 
big bonus game on his legacy if he went and beat Lamar, the the MVP of this year, at his place in an AFC championship game. It, it would be so huge because, remember, he already lost an AFC championship game at home to Brady when Tom obviously converted three straight third and tens in overtime. And he lost one at home to Joe Burrow. So he has those two negatives. Well, that would wipe one of those away. That would cancel out at least one of those, if not both of them, because you could look back and say, man, look what he got Lamar at Lamar. That, that was big time as a road underdog. He just hasn't done this. So I think he's in a, a can't lose situation on this one because we're not going to hold it against him if they lose this game. Well, we won't hold it against him, but we will bring it up in the conversations later on when we're trying to talk about, is he the greatest? And I, I mean, let, let, let me give him some credit for what he did right there, though, in that locker room, because he made sure everybody was a part of his fight. He said they asked for yeah. this. They asked for it. We're asking for you to win on the road, but he said they don't believe in none of us. He don't believe in any of us. So I just love the leadership there and how he dragged those guys too. in. You, you know what I mean? That yep. was smart. That was brilliant. So it's not that they're doubting me. They're doubting us is what he's saying us. to them. And show up with me on Sunday, and I think they will show up. I just don't think they have that, wide enough. But, Skip, yeah. how you going to ding yeah. this man because he lost at home to Tom Brady and Joe Burrow, who was having an amazing year, but you just want to ding him. You just want to... You, you know, want to ding lost, him at their home at, at Tampa's and, home. Lost it all, and, and then and then okay. and then you talk about neutral sites. Well, I thought all Super Bowls was on neutral sites, except for one. Tom he Brady lost, lost Brady on neutral. Tom yeah. Brady lost on neutral sites and one on neutral sites. So yeah. I don't. I just I caught the little slick slide backhand backhand compliment that you kind of gave. Patrick Mahomes, but I wasn't going to just let it fly okay. over my head. Okay, well, did, did I make that up? Did I exaggerate? Tom Brady went to Patrick Mahomes and beat him in an I, AFC I, championship game. Yes. Right. He, That's he, pretty he, great. He did, but how you going to ding Patrick Mahomes for that? You yeah. you you, you well, gave him a it. ding for that. head-to-head with the GOAT. Head-to-head, he had a shot at Arrowhead. Yes, he, he he lost to him and in the playoffs, playoffs and then lost to him in Tampa in the Super Bowl. That, that's why he okay. can't have these other scars on his record when yeah, he but, starts but ultimately, if he, ultimately but, doing the tail of the tape. Because when we're doing the tail Michael, of the tape, because Tom's going to have direct direct competition I, I that. over him, advantage, in the AFC Championship game and in the Super if Bowl. If you wanted to be that way, if you want to look at it and say, well, he beat him head to head, because I could also say, well, he didn't have his offensive line intact, and he was. And Tom rolled the back on the defense. I can do that too, if you want to water it down. But what know, do you but mean? Patrick Come on, stunk in that Super Bowl. Well, he Patrick couldn't get out of his own way. Every time he looked it? up, he was being no, Patrick, rushed. No, no, no. The Pat, offensive line. Patrick did all he could in that Super Bowl. Exactly. He did all he could. They just couldn't hold up. He couldn't hold and, up. And, and, and I was. I, it's so funny because we, we, of course, we were doing the game. And I was the only one that picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game, and I couldn't understand it. I said, you guys, are, what, what's wrong? You guys think Tampa's going to come in here and let this team beat them at home? That's like, that's like, that's like another grown man this isn't, walking in your house, sitting at your table, eating your food yeah. while he's holding your wife's hands. No way you can ever eat at that table again. You can't even walk back in that house. No way they can lose that football it, game. Skip. And that's exactly what Tampa did. It, 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 but, but, but wait, 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 wait. But Patrick Mahomes gave all he had in that game. They just couldn't win it. And Skip, look, uh. when Tom Brady was in his 
15th year, whatever it was, 15th, 16th year, when he was beating Patrick Mahomes, he only had a few years left. When he was going up against Peyton Manning and that was going back and forward and he was owning Phillip Rivers and stuff, he was in the middle of prime in his career. Patrick Mahomes was at the okay. beginning of his career. Tom Brady was at the end of his career. So when you add up the numbers, as Michael keeps saying, we'll have these conversations later on down the line. Yeah. Tom, uh, Patrick Mahomes has every single opportunity right. to close the gap on all Correct. of those six, seven Correct. Super Bowls. He has that opportunity. Right. So it ain't over. He only got to see Tom for a short period of time. Okay, and Keyshawn, I throw this one last fact back at you. Do you know how many makeshift offensive lines Tom won Super Bowls with? Right. So I, I don't want to hear Pat. All right, right. I, I ain't gonna, I'm but, not. But, but back to what we uh, talked about, Skip, why, why Tom can do that. You call them makeshift offensive lines, right. but I don't right. call Damon Woody makeshift as an offensive line. I just don't. But because Tom played pre-snap, he's able to use that offense, a lack, less offensive line and still be effective. But like we talked about, Patrick Mahomes plays pre-snap, so post-snap. So you're going to – those offensive lines are very important. Okay. All right. Up next, we got to flip the script. We got to talk about Lamar here. Uh-oh. AFC Championship game. What if, by chance, he loses this one at home? How much damage would that do to his legacy? That's next. No mercy. No mercy. I've obviously raved about Lamar Jackson all season after picking him to win the MVP and his team to win the Super Bowl. But let's talk about the pressure on Lamar this Sunday. Just for discussion's sake, let's say Lamar loses this home AFC Championship game to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to fall to 2-4 and four in the playoffs. Michael Irvin, how damaging would that be to Lamar's legacy? Uh, two things here now. How damaging to his legacy. Mm, uh, how damaging to his ego. I think that'll be serious. How damaging that'll be seriously damaging to his ego more so than his legacy with the kind of game that he's playing right now. This is what Lamar has been asking for. Give me this opportunity. I can show you I can do exactly what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Let me tell you why. I say it won't kill his legacy. It won't kill his legacy. When we look at quarterback battles in the same conference, we all go, we all go to the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning battle. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl 01, 03, and 04. That's three Super Bowls before Peyton Manning won his first one, which is in 06. Tom Payton, then Payton went to Denver and won another Super Bowl. So Payton has a Super Bowl in 06 after Tom had already won three. Then he goes to Denver and win another one. He'll be the first guy to go two teams, win two Super Bowls. Tom has done that now to match him, and he'll put that in his record. But he was the first guy to do it before Tom. So that his, his legacy's intact. Payton Manning's legacy intact. So, so even if he loses, even if Lamar Jackson loses this game, Ultimately, and come back and win a Super Bowl next year, and he'll be fine. Let me tell you, Lamar's already got his contract. He's already got his contract. Now, now, if he didn't have his contract and this game was 
was yeah. was right here. And now we're like, oh, because if he doesn't get this game, why should they're, they're going to say you, you're not a passing quarterback. You can't beat that guy right there. We're in the same division. Why should we give you this money? So he's already got his money, and he still has time for his legacy. So it won't kill his legacy. But his ego, it will kill his ego. And if he wins this game, it takes him to the heavenlands that he wants to be in as seen as one of the great quarterbacks. And he did it going through the man he needed to go through. This game is so important. He cannot lose this game. I'm saying for Lamar, what Lamar wants to be known as and who he is, and he did it, the Frank Sinatra, the my way thing he wants to be, this game is crucial. He has to win this game Sunday. It'll be, Skip, disappointing, but I don't think it has any effect. We're talking about a quarterback in his sixth season who, who is on the doorsteps of getting his second MVP in six seasons in the National Football League, has his okay. team in the AFC Championship game. So we are not, this is not the end. This is six seasons. If he wins it, the conversation now becomes chasing Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Chasing Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes will have two on the win side, and then he'll have one if he wins it on the win side, plus the two MVPs. Like Mahomes will have more because he has two, and he's been there for three times. And But the conversation will now shift to Lamar, Patrick right. Mahomes. Can he do – can he catch – can Lamar catch Patrick Mahomes? Can Lamar catch Patrick? If he loses the game, though, it won't. It it'll be disappointing. That conversation will be two and four. Can this style offense with a quarterback like this go to a Super Bowl? Well, that's the conversation. It, th th those are just conversations. Those are legacy conversations. That's not complete yet. It's not complete because again, we've seen other great quarterbacks struggle in the playoffs and finally get over the hump. Steve Young, famously, the monkey is off my back. He finally went on to win one. You don't even talk about the ones that he didn't have an opportunity to go to. You just talk about the monkey off the back. And I think that that is the most important thing for somebody like Lamar is don't worry about what people are going to say because everybody's going to say something. They just, they just are. That's just the world and society in which we live in. But I can tell you this, he even if he lost his game, it's not going to kill him to the point of no return. We're not going to look up and go, no. well, we, we're going to, uh, Baltimore Ravens, they should blow the team up because we don't really know. If, it, no, that's not going to be the case. If he loses his game, he'll be looking toward next year and the year after. So I don't put too much into the legacy conversation, Skip. He's only in his sixth season. Okay. I put more than you do. I, I'm more with Michael. I'm more with the idea that most of the pressure this Sunday is on Lamar. Because Me too. I, Me I too. do think Patrick has nothing to lose here. No, no big loss here if he loses. No shame. And as much as I'm rooting for Lamar, the truth is we just talked about Patrick is 13 and three in the postseason while Lamar is two and three. And if you look at his numbers, they're not very good. As big a fan as I am, I'm, I'm trying to be objectively, almost cold-bloodedly right. honest here. I look at the numbers. He's only a 58% completion 
percentage in the postseason. Right. He's five touchdown passes to five interceptions in the postseason. Right. He's he's run for three touchdowns, but he's also lost two two fumbles. So if we add it up, that means he's he's accounted for eight touchdowns in the postseason to seven turnovers in the postseason. They're just not great. They're not Mahomesian numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But all of a sudden, he's going to win his second MVP, and he is on the verge of validating his greatness. And it's beautiful to me that this is Patrick Mahomes. So you you have every right to validate against, as Michael says, clearly the best quarterback in the league today, by far, by far, that you, you can validate, you can close a case if you can close the deal on Patrick Mahomes at home and go to the Super Bowl. And obviously you do need to cap it off. It would be nice to cap it off and win it. I think it's going to be the 49ers. Keith thinks it's Detroit, whatever. You, you need to go win that Super Bowl and now you're off to the races because now we can start talking about, to, to Key's point, now, oh, now can he catch Patrick Mahomes? But right. if you don't do this for whatever reason, I don't know if you just have a bad day, an off day, what, whatever, I don't know. You, you know how these things can go. Sometimes you just can't even explain it. But if he does have an off day, as Michael said early in this show, a whole lot of people out there are going to be ready to hit send like I told you. I told you he couldn't do it. I told you he couldn't throw. No, he just won two MVPs. That, that's all he can do. Well, he and, does. And get, he, does right. he does yeah. have everything to gain here. There's no question yes, about he it. He has to win to yeah. gain that. But if he loses, all it, all it is is he lost to Patrick Mahomes. He had home field advantage. But he's so young in his career. There's a long runway. His right. legacy is not complete. I know, but no, that's but, but, but going to be a long, no, hard no, run. No, 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 no. This is different. This is different. Skip, all of those records and those numbers you got and you talked about, yeah. toss them. Toss them. That's the old Lamar. That's 100%. the old Lamar. Yeah, and Lamar is, is saying, Lamar, Lamar yeah. wants to show us more than we want to see it. That's the old yeah. Lamar. Lamar is saying, I know I, that way couldn't win. I know that way could not win. That's why I want it. I, I had started scouting Zay Flowers myself. He started scouting that kid and told, told Baltimore about him. So now you've given me the system. You've given me the system I want. You've even given me some players I want. That, this is his opportunity to prove to the world and post that, plant that flag. Yeah. I am the first running quarterback running quarterback yep. to win a Super Bowl. Nobody else has ever done that. I'm the first running quarterback. No. That's the only time he's going to take back, I'm a runner. That's the only time he'll take it back because that'll give him the flag of being the first running quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. And, and remember when uh, John Harbaugh said to Lamar, you're going to have so many little kids wearing your jersey. When Lamar does this, that's when those kids yep. will wear his jersey. That's when he would. All right. Perfectly said. Let's change conversation here because my man, my brother, Lil Wayne, is about to join me. He's going to take you inside his trip to San Francisco last Saturday night, unfortunately, to watch his Packers lose to the 49ers. And he told me last night it was his most memorable and painful night of his sports watching career because he watched that game with 
Steve Young. He'll tell you all about it next. Ooh, is that the same team that beat Dallas Greenback? No, As always, at this time, it is time for Wayne's World. My brother, Lil Wayne, joins me right now. We're going to talk AFC Championship game. We're going to talk NFC Championship game. We're going to talk about whether his Green Bay Packers have a shot of winning next year's Super Bowl. Good morning, young man. How are you? Come on. I'm great, brother. How are you? Yeah. I'm doing good, especially now that you're joining me. Okay. I need you to walk me back through what we went back and forth with last night because you were there in San Francisco last Saturday night. You watched your Packers ultimately somehow lose to the 49ers. But as you told me last night, it was one of your most memorable and painful nights of your sports watching life because as you watched, you were joined by Steve Young. Am I right? To yes. Watch the game? Yes, I was. Yes, his, his suite was and literally right next to mine. How did that mine. happen? What, what, oh, he just came across from his suite to your suite. Yeah, it, it was literally next door. And the way that the way their suites are set up, um, you can, you know, you can. There's like no, no. There's like a small separator divider between the suites. So he was basically right in my. We were basically in each other's suite just by being. I mean, that's the way it's set up. <laughs> so he walked over to my suite. And I was watching the game and my little brother Twist tapped me on the shoulder and was like, uh, Steve Young wanted to say what's up to you. So when I look back at Steve, Steve was like, no, man. He's like, no, you're a laser focus right now. He was like, I did not want him to bother you right now. He was like, you're a laser yeah. focus. So I got up, of course, and I went hollered at him. He was the first thing he asked me was, how did you become a fan of the Green Bay Packers? And when I told him, you know, this was the greatest thing. Soon as this is how you know a savant. I said, I was like, what is, I was like, well, they won the Super Bowl. I mean, they won the Super Bowl in the Super in New Orleans. He was like 95, 96. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, he was like, well, well, I'm not, he was like, I'm not, I'm not Brett, but I'm close. I was like, what? I was like, he's not close. <laughs> Stop playing. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. That's fair. So did he sit with you then to watch the rest of the game? Nah, he chilled. He actually brought Charles Haley and Ricky Waters in there with him. Charles Haley picked me up. He picked me up. Literally picked me <laughs> off the ground. They literally I picked me Charles up. <laughs> Charles Haley okay. made me feel like a, a little nephew. You know what I mean? When your uncle picked you up and throw you in the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, and also I got yeah. to meet uh, Steve's competitive daughters. They're awesome. Good for you. Okay, so yeah. the, the, the problem is the vibe's off here because they're all going to be rooting for their old team, the 49ers, and you're rooting yes. your, your guts out for the Packers, yes. right? So was that not irritating or annoying to you to have to be around 49er greatness? No, because Steve, first of all, Steve is one of those guys that He's going to lighten the room regardless. So he already walked in there with, you know, just total, totally packered out. You know, he was already like, he was like, when I turned around to talk to him, he, he, was, he was watching the game um, while I was talking to him. He said, look, as soon as you turn around, watch, turn back around. I bet you they score. 
When I turned around, it was a touchdown to crap. I think it was either a touchdown or a two-point conversion. And he was like, see what I mean? He was like, look at this guy, man. He was, he's like, come on, man, we're taking you for a ride. <laughs> and it's, I think it was his wife was with him, and she was like, no, come on, we're serious. We're taking you for a ride. <laughs> like, you, we t- we getting you out of here. Now, Steve, they're they cool, is what I'm saying. It was no, you know, it was no okay. 49 and stuff like that. Yeah, they just absolutely. But then when, that, when we was watching the game again, um, he would come run over. While he was in his own suite, he would come run over when the 49ers do something great and come mess with me. <laughs> okay. Like like trash talk you a little bit. Yeah. He was just, was just like, you see that, right? You see that? But he actually had a lot of, he had okay. a few Packer fans in his own in his suite. Oh, did he? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, he did. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So take me back through your emotions because obviously your team came to my team and just ran us out of the building. It was 27 to nothing near halftime it felt like to me as i watched your team at 49ers that you had a chance to do to the 49ers what you did to the cowboys because the first three possessions you just go whoosh 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 and you just couldn't cash you know you you couldn't capitalize on three straight great opportunities when you took the ball right down the field so was that tearing you apart i it. No more, no less. I, I I cried, and I was I was I straight up. I, I really? was like, man, cried. yeah, okay. yeah, I actually cried, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, I think I, I think it was set up to, you know, say say proper goodbyes to Steve and Charles, you know, Charles and whoever else was. But they also they they saw the look on my face, and they respected it. And I got up out of there. The ladies that was helping us in the suite, which were very nice ladies, shout out to them. Even they respected it. She was like, you know, I want to ask you for a picture. But she was like, but I totally understand. And so we got up out of there. And it took me, it, yeah, it took me a few days to get over that because uh, we was right I there, man. Sounded like it. Yeah, you yeah. were right there. So, so what was the difference in the end in the game? What, what happened? Like now that you've had some time to sleep it off a little bit, what, what was their edge? Like, was it Brock Purdy finally? getting a hold of it at the end of the game. What was the difference? How did they pull it out? The defense, the 49ers defense, plain and simple. Mm. 49ers defense was the difference. You know, some people say, you know, some people say it was Brock drive. No, Brock was awesome. That last drive to get yeah. them down, that was amazing. It, yeah. it was kind of that, it was like that Montana drive. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. But but then, you know, of course, and then you yeah, can also awesome. blame you can blame Jordan, and you can say it was the you know throwing across his body, throwing across the field, but you still have to make the interception because we missed so many interceptions that we could have had. So with that said, you, you have still to have to pick hand. the ball off, and they did, and they did. He threw the ball to like three forty niners at that time, <laughs> and so at least one of them caught it, and it was gone. It was downhill from there. And, and like I said, I, I I give all the credit to their defense and again. Brock Purdy's a beast, the way he drove him down there, but I give the credit to their defense, man. Okay. All right, so I warned you last night. We talked about it yesterday on the show. I saw a little note on ESPN.com that a an NFL executive had predicted that next year the Packers will win the yeah, Super that. Bowl. So, so the point is, is it premature pressure? I mean, are you – are you down with it? Are you good with it? Uh, did it give you hope and hype? Or how, how do you feel about that prediction? Uh, all, I, all it gave me was a, a, a grin. 
you know, a grin, you know, like a, that's nice. That's nice. You know, that's a, that's a nice prediction. I love it. But, you know, I didn't hear that from Jordan, a a coach, uh, nobody from off the squad, you know, and even if, you know, that's not, not saying that that's not the, that's not the goal. I believe that's all the teams go, but you know, that, you know, obviously that's premature for any team to feel that it's it's still premature to say any of the teams that's left in the tournament, right. In in a, in a playoffs now is going to win the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, no, I understand. But I got to tell you, I told you before, I like your team's chances next year a lot more than I like my team's chances next year. And it's hard not to root for your team. In fact, I almost thought about jumping on your bandwagon. I I heard that. Because because Jordan is young and all those receivers are even younger. And it's just a piece or two away. It's just young and hot and coming. they're, they're, They're on the doorstep. It all feels like on the verge. And you still have a fairly young head coach who's battle tested, who's been there. He is. You know, yeah, yeah. I saw him on, I saw a clip of the, the, uh, they was trying, they were showing um, Coach Kyle, they were showing Kyle uh, on the sidelines of that Falcon Super Bowl with, um, you know, with the the Patriots. Then all of a sudden they showed Coach Matt. I I didn't know he was on that, he was on that squad. He was there. Well, He's battle-tested. I said that to say, yes, he's yeah. very battle-tested. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some scar tissue in, in a good way. Yeah, so, in a good right. way. All right, so speaking speaking of Coach Kyle, you know him well. He actually named his son after you, Carter. Shout-out, Carter. Gut feeling, yeah. Gut feeling on Lions at Niners. I, I don't think it's going to be close, but I, I, I know you, I, I assume you're now rooting for Kyle and company to go on, right? Of, of course. And that's my big bro, Trent, you know, that's, 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 that's uh, when he's not in his, off, yeah, that's a good yeah, you know, his off season, that's my security. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just go. joking. Yeah. I'm joking, but, uh, no, but he could I'm be. definitely right. I'm rocking with the 49ers. I'm rocking with the 49ers. I do think it will be. I think it will be close, Skip. I don't think it'll be a blowout like that. But okay, you know, when I say close, though, when I say close, I mean at least within two two touchdowns. Meaning it can still be a 14. You know, it can still be. They can still win by two touchdowns to me, and that's still close. Okay. All right. It's a seven and a half point spread. But how much do you dislike? your division rival from Detroit? Is, is there a natural animosity there? It's not. It's not too much natural animosity there because of Barry Sanders. I was, a, I was too oh. much of a Barry Sanders fan, and I, uh, I would always love the way he would score and just give the football straight to the referee. I was too much of a, 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 Barry's fan, a Barry fan for that. So I think to, for me, though, for me, it's, it's, a, it's Chicago and Minnesota. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You, you mean you Brett don't like him? Nah. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. as far as rivals, Brett left and went to Minnesota, and you know, for me, the number one rival to me is Chicago. Mm. Now, in in a okay. NFC Championship game, though, in the championship NFC Championship, it's the 49ers. That's our rival. We got to get past. We got to get. We got to beat that bully up someday. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did in your one long ago Super Bowl with Aaron. A long ago. Chicago at Chicago. It was a long Yeah, ago. we did. 14 years ago. It was ago. long ago. Yeah. I mean, you, you had to go through Soldier Field to get there. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. 
Yes, we did. You got a little bit of a break because Jay Cutler got whatever happened to him. He banged up his <laughs> sort of sprained knee and wound up on the bicycle in the second half. And you got to beat the immortal Caleb Haney in the second half. Aaron didn't play very well, but you survived. And we you did. got to go to Jerry World and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the other game. Even though the NFC Championship game is on Fox, the, the bigger star power game is obviously Patrick at Lamar. Yes. Which way are you going in that game? Remember I told you when you I told you originally my Super Bowl pick was Packers versus the Chiefs. And I told you if we lose, which we did, then I was going Ravens and 49ers. I think I'm standing on that. Ravens and Ravens 49ers. Okay. So why do you think Baltimore will beat Kansas City in Baltimore? Same situation that we got beat in San Francisco. Defense. Hmm. Ravens defense slightly better. Ravens. Ravens defense and also one word and one word only, which I think the Chiefs fans will say the same thing about their team. My word is Lamar. Hmm. And I think their word will be. And I think defense and yeah, and and Lamar. And I think their word obviously would be Patrick. It would definitely be Patrick, although yes, Wayne, I think people overlook the fact that the number two scoring defense in all the land belonged to the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have yeah. number one in points allowed is Baltimore. Number two in points allowed is Spag's unit in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. you can overlook the fact that no. they will make it tough on Lamar because they make it tough on everybody they play. Everybody. You can't overlook you can't overlook spag defense period, especially recently. You know, all them all them all them uh, obligatory cutaways they've been showing of Miss Miss Tay Tay. Now they've been showing them of Spags. Yeah. That be that that mean the no. defense doing that's their true. thing. No, that's a good yeah, point. That mean, no, that's deep. That mean, that's smart. Yeah. 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 All right. So what would it mean to Lamar's legacy to get through Patrick in an AFC championship game? How much would it validate him as a two-time MVP to at least get to, if not win a Super Bowl? I, that's what I think uh, for Lamar. I think that's the goal, Skip. I don't think he even, I don't, I don't think he, he's worried about what it would mean for him to, to get past the, the, the Chiefs. And I think I think for him, I think to me, what I mean by that is I think that probably would mean more to somebody like a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen. Like Lamar, I've never Lamar is more focused on winning it for real, for real. Because, you know, he wanna put the put the ring next to those MVPs because obviously, you know, he know how it goes. He know that at the end of the day, we looking for the ring. If you could keep your MVPs, we looking, you know, Aaron got four of them in one ring. Yeah. So you know how that is. So okay. I think at the end right. of the day, that's so, for Lamar. That that's legacy for Lamar. So if it is San Francisco and Baltimore in the Super Bowl, are you going Lamar over Kyle? No, I'm going 49ers. And that's just I'm picking that's straight up heart. Straight up heart. Straight up heart. Straight heart. Yeah. Right. Straight yeah. up heart. I'm I'm with you on that. Okay, I got Lamar winning it all, and I do offer condolences to you for what happened last Saturday night because I was with you rooting for you. 
and it was close, man. You had every opportunity, and you're just the youngest team in pro football couldn't quite cash. One opportunity, just one opportunity, and and we're having a different conversation. And I just be wanting them to know how hard it is to get to just to that point. Like, it's not, that's why when you asked me about the guy who said we're going to the Super Bowl, it's like, no, it's not that easy. No, it's not that easy. All right. Thank you. I love you, man. We'll look forward to seeing you you, next Friday at this same moment. Thank you very much. Up next, we've got to talk LeBron because we've gone a whole, thank you. We've gone a whole show without talking about LeBron, but he just broke another record. 20 All-Star games. How big a deal is that or no big deal? We debate next. Another longevity record for LeBron James as he was named to his 20th All-Star team, eclipsing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 19. So, Keyshawn, you being the Laker fan you are, how impressive is this? Uh, it's not that impressive to me, Skip. What? It's LeBron no. damn James, Michael. If, if, look, and the ego play for another four years. We're going to be sitting up here four years from now talking about how impressive is it is for 24 All-Star games. Every year he play in the league, he go into the All-Star game, man. But at his age, in all seriousness, at his right. age, to be able to put out this performance that he's been doing, no, Skip, this is not a, what do you call it, Skip, when... when ceremonial. Ceremonial, kind of just... Just a little loving. Yeah, yeah we putting you in just because right. we like you. Right. He actually plays this really good basketball. This is not career achievement. No, right. no, right. not at all. This is right. serious because he plays... Basketball at a high level still at 30, what is it, 39 years old? I mean, like, come on. It doesn't even make any sense. In year 21, again, we will be having the same conversation several years from now. (laughs) Watch. And that sounds crazy to even think about having a conversation a few years from now when you're looking at even now. To average 28 and 28.9 points a game right now. So it's not just like we're talking about his longevity. We're talking about that kind of time at, at, at that kind of level, which is absolutely insane and incredible and speaks to his great conditioning, the way he takes care of his body, but also to have that kind of run without any serious issues off the, off the court is also just a great accomplishment, man. Kudos to him. It just is. So, Keyshawn, back to your point. What just astounds me about LeBron bleeping James is that usually in a career arc like his, the last five years would have been ceremonial. They would have been honorary selections because he just belongs. It's career achievement. It's he just you just got to put him on the the all-star team. The fans want to see him. People want to see him. They just want to see him. You can't not have LeBron at the All-Star game. But that's not what's happening. And I give it up to LeBron on this one because I don't see a whole lot of drop-off on the offensive end. There's a little drop-off on the defensive end just because he's got to rest a little bit more. And sometimes it hurts the team. But the point is, uh, when we're talking about scoring the basketball, making the offense go – 25, 7, and 7, I, I don't see much drop-off. So not only has he earned it, but there have been stretches this year, especially when they won the in-season tournament, when it felt like he was in the MVP conversation. So he is supremely qualified 
to be on the all-star team in year 21 at age 39. And so that, that's the biggest tribute is just that he has kept himself this fresh, this right. healthy. I know he's got an ankle thing going on right now, but, but he's, he is relatively beautifully healthy in year 21. Yeah, and if you look at some of these other guys on this list, when you start to think yeah. about it, Kobe Bryant got injured, all right? So he got Kobe yeah. got injured, and so yeah. that basically ended that all-star run. But if he had stayed healthy, yeah. he would have gotten to those numbers, just Sarah's moments, like you guys say, where they just sign yeah, off they, on it because people want to see it. You talk about Michael Jordan, I, 14 of them. Jordan wouldn't have retired. He would have – they voted him in in Washington. So – it's one of those deals, Skip. It's just impressive. We'll be talking right, about right. this for the next several years as well. Right. It, it is impressive. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's completely incredible. Okay, let's talk about this next. If Kellen Moore does wind up in Philadelphia, and if Dan Quinn does wind up in Washington, how big a threat will they be within the division to that team in Dallas? They should next. just get together in Washington. Hallelujah. <laughs> Former Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is interviewing to be the Eagles offensive coordinator, while Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has a second interview for Washington's head coaching vacancy. So, Michael Irvin, how big a threat would Kellen Moore in Philly and Dan Quinn in Washington pose to the Dallas Cowboys? I'm dancing with a bad back. You see what I'm saying? That's how less I am worried about that, really, no that reality okay. coming to fruition. Honestly, let me tell you why. What, Kellen Moore left because he was throwing the ball too much and not running it enough. And that's exactly what all the fans left the sign in the yard of Sirianni saying, run the damn ball. Yeah, so the ball. That, that's, that's going to cause more of an issue than help. And, and, and honestly, even in the Dan Quinn situation, talking to Washington, one thing we couldn't do is stop the damn run. So either one of them, no. say la vie. No, so when I, when I like wave, when I wave like this, right. I ain't saying hi. I'm saying bye. Get on out of here. Get on out of here. I, I wouldn't necessarily right. say it wouldn't be a problem at some point in Washington because I think Dan Quinn is a really good football coach. He's he obviously good. showed that he can go to the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and he had – the Dallas That's Cowboys true. defense at times cooking to the point where Skip had him. We haven't stopped one, the run in over three one, years. Number three one defense years. in the league uh, I was cooking. I don't I know did. what Shane Steichen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, what Nick Sirianni is doing, though, as a head coach. I got the job because I was supposed to be an offensive mind in a coordinator. They hired yeah. me. Take over the call. I need to call my stuff like Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Todd Bowles. Those yeah. guys are still yeah. calling their stuff. That's how yeah. they got the job. Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell. I don't know what right. he's doing. But to me, a key reason that those guys would be favored in Philly and, and in Washington is that they're yeah. cowboy expertise. So yeah, those, those franchises live to beat us. So that's it for today's to Undisputed. Ourselves. We are back Monday, 930 Eastern.